Today on the Matt Wall Show, a bunch of uh, liberal academics have signed a letter speaking out against cancel culture. Uh, most everybody else on the left, of course, is furious about the letter. But I think letters and respectful dialogue just are not going to cut it at this point. They're not going to stop the madness or defeat the, the cancel culture mob. There is a solution to cancel culture, but uh, it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for those who might be a little squeamish. We'll talk about what that solution is today. Also, five headlines and our daily cancellation. All of that coming up. But before we get to any of that, um, our show today is brought to you by our new sponsors over at BlinkSale, which is the revolutionary invoicing software that's changing the landscape for small businesses, businesses and independent contractors everywhere. Uh, you know, of course, the quintessential American dream is owning a small business. But once you do, you discover that there are all kinds of uh, little hassles and not so little hassles that you have to deal with. Invoices are one of those. Um, you know, if you, have you ever had to hassle a client that owes you money or you know, gotten lost trying to keep track of your invoices and payments? That's why over at uh, BlinkSale, they have built an invoicing software that helps you stay on top of your money, keep track of everything in one place, so you could stop sending those nagging emails and uh, you could just easily get paid for your work. With BlinkSale, you can send beautiful custom-branded invoices and estimates in seconds. You can stay on top of your outstanding invoices. You can let your customers and clients easily pay for your invoices and much more. As an added bonus, BlinkSale is giving away $10 to 500 Daily Wire fans. Here's how to get it. Go to BlinkSale.com, start your 14-day free trial, create your first invoice of $10, and activate an online payment option. You send the invoice to DailyWire at BlinkSale.com, and you get paid your $10. Simple as that. It's free money. So stop wasting time invoicing and try BlinkSale for free at BlinkSale.com slash Walsh. That's B-L-I-N-K-S-A-L-E dot com slash Walsh. Okay, so um, a number of well-known, mostly left-leaning people, authors, academics, professors, media people, etc., have signed a letter uh, published in Harper's Magazine about cancel culture. And they're warning about the dangers of uh, cancel culture. J.K. Rowling signed it. David Brooks, Steven Pinker, uh, uh, a bunch of other about 150 people signed it. Now, this letter has provoked a strong reaction on the left uh, from other leftists, further left, who are furious about it. And um, it, 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 there's an article in the Independent, for example, that typical of the reaction. It says the letter is bizarre and that it shows the, the privileged don't like being challenged. Media Matters especially hates the letter because for Media Matters, you know, th this is what they do. So you attack cancel culture, you're attacking them. This is their whole thing. All they do is try to cancel uh, 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 people on the right. That's, th that's their entire mission in life is to cancel people. One staffer at Media Matters has been having a temper tantrum spanning two days over this, this letter and said at one point that the signers of the letters are totalitarians and, quote, bad people. Okay, so let's take a gander at this uh, bad, evil, totalitarian, bizarre letter that was in Harper's. Uh, this letter that many on the left are not just expressly disagreeing with, but actually are, are enraged by. Let's, let's take a letter. I'll, I'll read a little bit of this letter. Um, it says, our cultural institutions are facing a moment of trial. Powerful protests for racial and social justice are leading to overdue demands for police reform, along with wider calls for greater equality and inclusion across our society. 
not least in higher education, journalism, philanthropy, and the arts. But this needed reckoning has also intensified a new set of moral attitudes and political commitments that tend to weaken our norms of open debate and toleration of differences in favor of ideological conformity. As we applaud the first development, we also raise our voices against the second. The forces of illiberalism are gaining strength throughout the world and have a powerful ally in Donald Trump, who represents a real threat to democracy. But resistance must not be allowed to harden into its own brand of dogma or coercion, which right-wing demagogues are already exploiting. This democratic inclusion we want can be achieved only if we speak out against the intolerant climate that has set it in all sides. Um, the free exchange of information and ideas, the lifeblood of a liberal society, is daily becoming more constricted. While we have come to expect this on the radical right, censoriousness is also spreading more widely in our culture. An intolerance of opposing views, a vogue for public shaming and ostracism, and the tendency to dissolve complex policy issues into a blinding moral certainty. We uphold the value of robust and even caustic counterspeech from all quarters, but it is now all too common for blah, 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 blah. This just goes on and on and on. Um, I think you get the point. So that, what you just heard there, is according to Media Matters, totalitarian. That represents totalitarianism. They don't just disagree with it. That's fascist, dictatorial, uh, evil, wickedness you see right there. Jessica Valenti said that the letter represents powerful people playing victim. Um, meanwhile, and this is that's also a common theme on the left in reaction to this letter, is that these are people who are playing victim who don't want to be held accountable. Meanwhile, all they did was in very weak terms, really, and in a, in a, in a, in a pretty circumspect way, all they said was, hey, let's have a debate and let's not try to get folks fired immediately just because we disagree with what they say. That's all the letter says. And it even throws in a bunch of stuff about how Trump is evil and uh, talks about the right and everything. I mean, make, making all these concessions to the, to the, to the cancel culture mob. Say, well, you're right about this and this and this and this and this. And then and finally, after a lengthy preamble, because this is how it always goes, right? When people are dealing with the cancel culture mob, if they're going to say anything in defiance of it or critical of it, there's always a lengthy preamble about all the things it's right about. And then finally we get to the part where it says, um, where it, it sort of gets to the, to the disagreement. But even that, you know, the left says is bizarre, it's playing victim, it's bad, it's totalitarian. Uh, so I think there are two things we can take from this and from the reaction to it. First, if you needed proof that cancel culture is real, here it is. Many on the left are, are openly hostile to the idea of debate and dialogue. It's not just, it used to be, right? What we, what we used to say is that the left pretends to be in favor of debate and dialogue, but actually it's not. It's a, there's a hypocrisy, a double standard. Well, there's actually no hypocrisy now, or very little uh, and there's not much of a double standard because now what we're hearing is uh, they, they just they just don't support this at all. They don't even pretend to support it. They're not interested in having a debate. Wrong think, wrong opinions, wrong viewpoints should not be tolerated. Period. It's as simple as that. 
We're not going to debate with you. We have no interest in that. You're wrong. You should be shut down. You should be punished. I mean, nothing that can happen to you could be could be uh, overboard. Uh, what would you have everything taken from you, everything destroyed. You deserve it. That's what the left is saying. The second thing you see, I think even more important, is you see how utterly, pathetically ineffectual letters and strategies like this are. Trying to engage in a thoughtful dialogue about thoughtful dialogue with people who are not interested in thoughtful dialogue is pointless. Let's have a debate about whether we should have debates. Well, you're having the debate or you're trying to have it because there are people who don't want to have debates. So if the people you're trying to debate don't care about having debates, then they aren't going to debate debates with you. You see the problem? We are way, way, way past the point where anything can be gained by calmly and politely explaining why you don't think people should be canceled or why you should be canceled. Uh, They don't care. The mob doesn't care. It's a mob behaving like mobs always do. So this is not the solution to cancel culture. This will do nothing. Letters like this will have no effect. I'll tell you what the solution, what the actual solution is in just a second. But first, uh, a word from our very good friends over at Rock Auto. You know, it's, um, I, I, I think never having to go to an auto parts store again would be something that uh, most of us wouldn't miss. Because why go through the hassle and everything? RockAuto.com is so much easier than walking into a store and dealing with all of that. Uh, especially when you go, and, and, and more often than not, they're, gonna, they're just going to go online and order it anyway. We don't have the part in, we got to order it, right? How many times have we all heard that from an auto parts store? You have access to rockauto.com at your desk, in your pocket. You carry it around all the time. Just go to rockauto.com. Always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing their prices based on what they think they can get out of you. Uh, they're not going to do that. Rockauto.com is an honest business, a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are reliably low. So you get the great uh, uh, selection, that's the word I'm looking for, and also low prices. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Walsh in there. How did you hear about us, box so that they know that we sent you. Um, okay, so what is the solution to cancel culture? This is it. I'll tell you what it is. I've told you this before. I'll say it again. I'll keep saying it. Um, The only way to stop cancel culture, the only way to stop the mob, is to never apologize to it, to give it nothing, to make no concessions, to offend it on purpose just out of principle, and to laugh in its face. That's it. That's the solution. There is no other solution. If you don't like that solution... Okay, well, but that's the only one. There isn't another one. This is a battle of wills. This is one side trying to impose itself, exercise its power, punish dissent, get vengeance, revenge. You don't deal with people like that who have those kinds of intentions by being polite and saying, 
Now, guys, I, I understand where you're coming from, and your concerns are so legitimate and important. And, uh, and, 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 and before I say anything else, here are a number of issues I agree with you on. And in fact, I agree with you on almost everything when it comes down to it, because you're, you're very brilliant and insightful people. And I, just, I, 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 I wouldn't say anything about you that would be personally critical. And I, I, I care so much about your feelings. Your feelings are so important to me on such a, on such a, a deep and, and, and visceral level. Uh, but now that I've said all that, can I please allow me to present an argument explaining why, for my perspective. There's a blah, 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 blah. No. That, what do you think that's going to achieve? They aren't interested in that. They don't care. They want you to get to the, cut to the chase. Are you going to bow, bend the knee, surrender, give up or not? That's all they care about. Your choices are either to do what they want or not. And if not, then defiance, resilience, and firmness uh, are the only other options. You beat an opponent by taking away whatever power uh, it has over you. You have to neutralize it. There can't be any, here's the other thing about, well, why why can't we have compromise and and discussion? You're not going to compromise with someone. They're not going to compromise with you if they think they can get everything they want anyway. Compromise only happens when both parties involved in the compromise realize that they're not going to get everything they want. And so they have no choice but to compromise. A a compromise that someone does or agrees to when they don't have to because they could get everything they want, that's not a compromise, that's charity. And if you're looking for charity from the cancel culture mob, then you're really stupid. Um. But a compromise is something that if they if they're not if a, if an opponent doesn't matter whether we're on a battlefield or or negotiating a salary in your boss's office whatever it is there's only going to be a compromise or a negotiation if the person you're dealing with realizes they're not going to get everything they want if you've made it clear that they if you've made it clear to them that they can get everything they want why they're not going to compromise with why should they. As long as the opponent has power over you, it will achieve victory after victory. It will never compromise because there's no reason to. Why compromise when you can have an unconditional surrender instead? Why why take only some when you can have everything? So that's why you have to take away the power. How do you take away power from the cancel culture mob? Well, by neutralizing its weapon. And its weapon is primarily emotional. The mob says it feels deeply hurt, deeply offended, terribly injured by whatever opinion or idea you expressed, um, and they, 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 they need all kinds of things to be done to make them feel better. It's nonsense, of course. It's nothing but a ploy. It's manipulation. It's blackmail. But most of the time, the targets of this manipulation will say, oh, I'm so sorry I made you feel that way. Please don't be mad at me. Please don't be mad at me. I'm so, so sorry. No, the way you neutralize that weapon take away that power, is by saying, I don't care how you feel. I don't apologize to you. Your feelings are irrelevant to me. I don't care if you have PTSD for the rest of your life because of what I said. I'll sleep like a baby tonight anyway. In fact, I'll laugh at you. I'm happy about it. I'm happy I upset you. I don't care about your feelings. And I'm not going to explain myself either. Don't like what I said? Deal with it. It's your problem. It's not mine. Now get the hell out of my face. 
Now, of course, if only a few people are dealing with the mob this way, then the mob will be able to continue on basically unimpeded. And it will often probably be able to punish those few dissenters, punish them for their defiance by taking away their job and their livelihood and whatever else. Um, that's the way it always goes. If only a few people have the guts to stand up to a bully, then, uh, you know, they're, uh, especially when they're so outnumbered, then, then they're going to pay a price for that. But um, there always have to be some people who will, who will uh, you know, lead by example. If enough people deal with the mob like this, then they'll be defeated. Because that's the thing. They only have the power we give them. When someone is using emotional blackmail, it's it's only it's it's not like they're using physical weapons. Well, in fact, uh, the, the mob is using physical weapons increasingly so, and and the more that they're emboldened, the more that they will do so. But most of the time, when we're talking about cancel culture, it's a weapon that has to be given to them. It's an emotional weapon, emotional blackmail. If you don't care about their feelings, if enough people don't care about their feelings, then they got nowhere else to go. All they can do is put their tail between their legs and, and, and go home and shut up. That's the only solution. Now, I also want to stipulate one other thing here. That um, a lot of what I'm saying here, in an ideal situation, this is not the position that I would take. Okay, in an ideal situation, under normal circumstances, I actually would not say that your feelings don't matter and I'm never going to apologize. In principle, there's apologies can be good. If you do the wrong thing, you should apologize. In principle, we should care within reason how people feel. Uh, now, now we shouldn't ever put someone's feelings as the, the number one priority above all things, but it should be a concern uh, under normal circumstances in an ideal situation. But these are not normal circumstances, and this is not an ideal situation. And so that's why we have to adopt this approach. It's the same thing I've been saying with the statues. Under normal circumstances, in an ideal situation, if you didn't have mobs running through the streets, going crazy, trying to tear down statues and destroying cities and everything else, um, and we were just having a conversation about one particular statue, and someone was making an argument that, hey, you know, this statue, maybe we don't need it for this and that reason. Maybe I would listen to that. But that's, that's not the situation we're in right now. So even if there's a statue here or there that a reasonable person could argue is shouldn't be shouldn't have never should have never been put up and and and, and there, there, maybe there there could be maybe there's a reason to take it down, even if under normal circumstances a reasonable person can argue that. The position that we that we have to take right now and that I take is that we can't remove any statues. Because we can't do it like this under these circumstances at the behest of a raging mob. And it's the same thing here. When, when you've got a mob of people who are, who are using emotional blackmail as a tool to shut down free speech, to shut down open discussion, to impose their will, then the only choice is to say, no, no, 
to stand firm, draw the line, and say, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not going along with it. I don't care about your feelings. It's the same thing parents have to do, right? There's another analogy. And a lot of these people are like children, so maybe that's the best analogy we can use. There, there are plenty of times as parents when we don't allow our kids to do something that in another circumstance we may allow them to do. I mean, there are plenty of times when my kids want a snack and uh, I don't have anything against giving them snacks normally, but maybe I don't like the way they asked or they're pestering me too much about it or they're not being respectful. And because of that, I'm going to say, no, you can't have a snack. Normally, I would say, fine, you want a snack, you can have it, but not like that. When you come to me like that and you're stomping your feet and you have an attitude, the answer is no. Parents do that all the time. Because of your tone, because of the way that you're, you're coming at me right now, the answer is no. Maybe otherwise it would have been yes, but not now. Well, the cancel culture is a bunch of children, a bunch of toddlers stomping their feet, who unfortunately wield a lot more power than the toddlers in your house who are asking for a, you know crackers or whatever. But our approach has to be the same thing as parents and say, no. When you come at me like that, you're using these tactics, the answer is no. You're not getting an apology. You're not getting anything. You get nothing from me at all, period. All right, um, let's move on to our headlines. Number one, Donald Trump is pushing for schools to be reopened in the fall. The media and Democrats, of course, are, are, are saying that Trump is trying to kill our kids. And, and uh, that's what Jennifer Rubin, the Washington Post's major scare quotes here, conservative op-ed writer said on Twitter that Donald Trump wants to kill your kids verbatim. That's what she said, because he wants to reopen schools. Yet the interesting thing is that none of the people, so far as I can tell, who now insist on schools being closed for COVID insisted on the same during flu season. The flu, even with a vaccine, is more deadly to kids than COVID. But nobody ever says close the schools during flu, flu season. Every once in a while, you hear about an individual school shutting down for a few days because of a really bad outbreak in that, you know, in that locality. But you never have anything like a nationwide shutdown during flu season. Why? On one hand, you have a contagious disease that rarely causes serious complications or death in children, but sometimes does. On the other hand, you have a contagious disease that even more rarely causes serious complications or death in children but in even more rare circumstances, sometimes does. Why would we shut down schools for the latter, but not the former? It makes no sense. Unless, of course, shutting down schools has nothing to do with health and is more about politics and narrative, which obviously is the case here. Number two, a politician in Oregon received a disturbing, deeply disturbing uh, racist letter last week. It went viral on Facebook. It was covered by the news media. Uh, but really rough stuff in this letter, uh, racist letter. The only problem is that the politician, Jonathan Lopez, wrote it himself. Shocker of all shockers. The twist ending, no one saw coming. So after a few days, he admitted, yeah, he wrote it himself. Just for fun, let's read the letter that Lopez's alter ego sent to himself. Um, the letter says, Mr. Lopez, you're not welcome here and will never be anything in this community or state. Don't waste your time trying to become anything in this country. We will make sure you never win and your family suffers along with all the other effing Mexicans in the area. Sincerely, America. Sincerely, America. Once again, the hoaxers are just having a lot of trouble coming up with a believable script for their imaginary racists. 
which just shows you, like we like we talk about all the time, you know, if this is such a racist country, why are why are people constantly having to invent these uh, these instances of racism? But even more than that, not not just that it's being invented, but if it's such a racist country, like you would think that someone like Jonathan Lopez would have encountered racism in the past, and so he could write a believable script of what a racist would say to him. But he's not. He's going based on what he sees in the movies and TV shows. And so that finally came. Speaking of implausible events, by the way, while we're on the subject of um, dubious uh, hate crimes, there was a very strange hate crime incident reported a few weeks ago that you may have heard about a few weeks ago. You probably haven't heard about it in the last two weeks because, strangely enough, it disappeared from the headlines. But here's the report that ABC did on the story back on, uh, on June 26th. Watch this. While waiting for a green light, this is where Althea Bernstein says four white men yelled a racial slur at her before attacking her and setting her on fire with lighter fluid. Michael Johnson with the Boys and Girls Club says he can't think of a more obvious instance of a hate crime. And so she has burns to her face, burns to her neck. Johnson, speaking on behalf of the Bernstein family, says Althea is physically doing well today. I think uh, her mom and her dad is concerned about, you know, her mental uh, well-being and the um, scars that's on her. Bernstein told Madison 365 Wednesday that the attack happened early Wednesday morning at around 1. She says she was at the intersection when four white men in floral shirts yelled the N-word, sprayed her with lighter fluid, and then threw a lit lighter at her. And here's a young lady who was minding her own business, and somebody decided and tried to set her on fire. And uh, it's, 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 it's unacceptable. Madison police say they are investigating this as a hate crime. Johnson says this is an escalation of racial tensions felt all across the country. Somebody tried to cause bodily harm to um, somebody because of the color of their skin. And, you know, um, all of these things that's happened across our country and right here in our backyard, it's just unacceptable. And where's the respect for humanity? Okay, and here are the burns that she allegedly suffered from having her face set on fire. You see it there. So she says she was at a red light, one in the morning, a roving band of racists in Hawaiian shirts ran up with lighter fluid and a, and a match, and a, a lighter rather, sprayed her, the lighter fluid in her face, then threw a lighter into the car, a lighter that stayed lit as it was thrown somehow. So it must have been one of those old fashioned ones that you, people use in the movies. And then her face was set on fire. Oddly, her hair was not damaged though. Her face was on fire. Her hair didn't catch somehow. Um, and then the racist disappeared. To this point, we have seen no video of this, even though it happened in an intersection in the city. There's no video, no surveillance video that we've seen. There are no other witnesses of this. There's a gang of murderous, flame-wielding, Hawaiian-shirted racists walking through the street, apparently not noticed by anyone else. And even though they're patrolling the streets, lighting women on fire, nobody else reported a violent encounter with them or any other kind of encounter. Hmm. And those injuries, you know, is that what your face looks like after being set on fire? I don't know. My face has never been set on fire, but is that, it's, it, that's a, it's a very, those are very strange burn marks considering what she claims happened. And also where is the lighter that they threw? 
shouldn't she have that because they threw it? And she, I mean, she should have it and, and there, there are prints on it, but she never mentioned having the lighter and she never showed a picture of that. Um, and then what about damage to her car? You know, if she's on fire in her car, there should at least be some fire damage around, uh, you know, around maybe the door frame, maybe on the, on the roof of the car. But we never saw a picture of that either. And, and here's another strange thing. There was, there, was arson, there, was, there was arson going on that night, confirmed arson. Leftist rioters were setting buildings on fire in the city. And um, that was on the same night that this supposedly happened. So she comes home with mysterious burn marks the same night that arsonists are running through the street. And she tells a story about flamethrowing racists who nobody else ever saw and who apparently evaded detection by every video camera in the city. Hmm. Number three, Campus Reform did one of those uh, classic dumb people on the street videos. This time asking mostly college-aged kids, it looks like, uh, questions about July 4th and why we celebrated. And no surprise, a bunch of people didn't know a damn thing about July 4th or why we celebrated or, or about American history. Um, but the really disturbing part of the video is this. So we're actually very two interesting people to talk to. We're teachers. <laughs> so I was a seventh grade civics uh, teacher, government teacher, and she is an elementary school teacher, fourth grade, second grade elementary school teacher. What year did we get our independence? <laughs> 17 something. I personally know firsthand that we are not getting taught, specifically in social studies, the history that we need to know. I actually don't teach what's in our curriculum. I'm teaching children social studies that's not in our curriculum, teaching them things about how to be an anti-racist. Instead of teaching those same three famous black people that we continue to teach, I taught them about protesting. I taught them about Black Lives Matter. I taught them about things that are happening currently so that they could make those connections. And when they see it on the news, they're informed. They're not ignoring the facts of our world right now. They're facts that we're actually a racist country. Okay, so those are the people that are teaching our kids, which puts this part of the video into perspective. So with the 4th of July coming up, we're gonna ask a couple questions. My first question for you guys is, what does the 4th of July commemorate? Day we uh, declared independence from Great Britain. Basically, America's birthday, right? I think independence. What year did we declare our independence? I'm gonna be real with you. I don't know. 1967, I'll say. Close, a little off. I don't know. 1859. 1964. I'm gonna give you a try. What do you think? What year did we get our independence? 1970 something, 74, something like that. 1979. Like the 1800s. 1864. Shut up. Yes, like, like 18. 19 is like, farther oh, back? Like, like 18. It's further back. From the 1800s? Oh, 1777? Super close. 76, 76. Yes, that's a shocker. Is it? That's uh, impossible to figure out how that could happen. Who could connect these dots? I don't know. You've got teachers, one of whom teaches civics, teaches government, d- doesn't know. Um, the date of our independence, somehow. And then another one who, who confesses that she doesn't even follow curriculum. All she does is teach about why racism is bad. And then you've got a bunch of kids who are absolute morons and know nothing about this country or its history. 
How how could that happen? I don't I you know I just I don't get it. But l- l- let's continue sending our kids to public school anyway. Sounds like a great plan. Number four, the ACLU is calling attention to the case of Wesley Perkey, who's a 68 year old man with Alzheimer's and other mental illnesses, who's also on death row and scheduled to be executed in a week. I think on July uh, 15th he's going to be executed. The ACLU says this is a terrible injustice. The media agrees. Um, Newsweek has a long article about poor Wesley, poor old Wesley. Just a nice old man, going to be killed by the state. Poor guy, right? But uh, the interesting thing is that is that Newsweek has this entire article talking about the poor old man and how he's going to be executed, and he doesn't understand why. But throughout the entire article, they never mention what he did to land on death row in the first place. It's not until you get to the very bottom uh, in a bracketed editor's note where it happens to mention what the old man did to land himself on death row, I'll tell you what he did. He bludgeoned an 80-year-old paralytic woman to death with a hammer, and he kidnapped, raped, murdered, and dismembered a teenage girl. So this is a guy who did the worst thing imaginable and followed it up with the other worst thing imaginable. He is, Alzheimer's or not, a horrifically evil monster unfit for human society. And I think that point is relevant. I think in a civilized society, this should be quite simple. You rape and murder a child, you die. You bludgeon an old woman to death, you die. That's all. There is no extenuating circumstances that should change the consequence of that action. There there are some things a person can do that forfeit their right to be a part of human society in any capacity, even in prison. And this is one of those things. And in fact, he did two of those kinds of things. And, you know, the great thing is, it's not a high bar to get over, right? Don't, 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 don't rape and murder and dismember people. Don't bludgeon old women to death. Um, if you can't manage to get over that bar, uh, if that's too high a standard for you as a person, then you just shouldn't be living anymore. Um, and and it, it is an undue burden on society to keep you alive and house you and shelter you and feed you. Nobody should have that responsibility for you. You have made it clear you do not want to be a part of society anymore, and you should be simply given your wish. You know, I, I think that, that the ACLU says that's not justice. I think that's like the very definition of justice, if you ask me. Number five, finally, the Green Party of Delaware tweeted this. Um, I don't know what it is or why it is or anything, but I know that it is anyway. And here it is. It's a picture of a woman embracing a dolphin. And the caption says, their dolphin human baby is the future of intelligent life on earth. And it's the only way we'll let dolphins in some form survive. This is from the verified account of the Green Party of Delaware, which granted it's the Green Party and it's Delaware. So there's probably three members, but Still, it appears that the Green Party, at least in Delaware, is now advocating for a very specific form of bestiality, um, which is, which is uh, maybe notable. I have to say, though, I object on moral grounds um, and also on every other ground. And on, for the record, I object not just on the ground, but in the sea, too. But I also have to admit that a dolphin-human hybrid baby would certainly give your life porpoise. So I had to do it.
I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. I just said I won't. I won't apologize. I will not apologize, especially for a um, for a well-timed bestiality pun. I I just won't. That I won't apologize for. Okay, let's go to our daily cancellation. Now for our daily cancellation, we're canceling everyone involved in this training session for city employees in Seattle, as reported by local journalist Christopher Rufo. Um, he had a, a Twitter thread about it. Let me pull up his uh, his tweets. So. He says, the city of Seattle held a training session for white employees called Interrupting Internalized Racial Superiority and Whiteness. Uh, He says, so I did a public records request to find out exactly what this means. Let's go through it together in this thread. Thread. Uh, First, diversity trainers informed white participants that objectivity, individualism, intellectualization, and comfort are all vestiges of internalized racial oppression. Uh, And then you see that handy chart there. Internalized racial superiority are, uh, you know, like he mentioned, uh, arrogance is another one. Objectivity. So if you try to be objective, you you're you're a white supremacist. Then he continues. Sometimes both sides of the coin are oppression. Are white employees speaking too much? That's probably the internalized racial superiority of in, of imposition or paternalism. Are white employees speaking too little? That's oppression too, because silence is violence. What's next? The city of Seattle diversity trainers encourage white employees to practice self-talk that affirms their complicity in racism and work on undoing your own whiteness. Uh, and then in that, in that, these are all documents that he has. So he provides the documents. Um, so they, so they, they, they give you the, the self-talk that you should be engaging in. This is, I guess this is like a repeating a mantra to yourself. Racism is not our fault, but we are responsible. So what they're telling you to do, I think, if I can in- decipher and interpret all the leftist mumbo jumbo, is they're telling you, I guess, to wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and just repeat that to yourself. Racism is not our fault, but we are responsible. Racism is not our fault, but we are responsible. Racism is not our fault, but we are responsible. Um, I don't know if you're supposed to do this when you, when you, well, that's actually, sorry, that's, I just did a symbol of white supremacy. That, that you don't want to, this is just, this is, that's a proof right there. What I just did is proof of internalized racial superiority. Um, you know, you just, you can't escape it. What happens, and then, and then Rufo is, ex- continues, what happens after the thought exercises? It's time to do the work. The trainers ask white employees to let go of comfort, guaranteed physical safety, control over the land, social status, and relationships with some other white people. Um, The document says, letting go of the things we have to give up in order to be accomplices, such as, at times, guaranteed physical safety. So to to prioritize your own safety is also white supremacy, uh, just so you're, if you're keeping track at home. And it continues from there. Um, It explains that apparently Arabs are white, so there's something called assimilation into whiteness. And if you're, if you're an Arab, then you're, you're white. If you're Jewish, you're white. Uh, German, Italian, Armenian, all white. Um, and then it continues, let's see. How do you know when you've successfully interrupted your whiteness? Well, when you implicate yourself in racism, when other white people may be angry, and when you have stopped your white normative behavior. So that's how you know. Okay, there's a lot. You can go to his Twitter thread and look at all this if you have the stomach for it. Um, 
Now, you listen to all that, and I have often, not, not just me, but many on the right, have often described this kind of thing as cultish, right? But what we have to understand is that cultish is a very literal description here, I think. This is actually how cults operate. The only thing that, that makes the modern left not a cult is that there isn't one leader or one established group of leaders, but um, it uses many of the same tactics as a cult. So if you listen to former cult members or people who have studied cults, they'll tell you that cults, for example, often target young people and college students, if that reminds you of anyone. Cults work by isolating recruits from their family and their friends, making them uh, dividing, making them suspicious of their family, cutting them off. Remember that BLM on their website says that we have to dismantle the, the nuclear family, okay? This is what the left does. It tries to sever people from their families. Cults also provide affirmation and affection, but it's tentative. You know, you only receive it if you do certain things, if you abide by the rules. Cults wield guilt and fear. They want recruits to feel broken and sick, uh, in need of absolution and fulfillment. Cults do not tolerate criticism of their core beliefs and doctrines. There's not going to be any discussion of it. I mean, you go down the list, and leftism follows the script almost exactly. And that's what we're up against. We're up against an ideology that that has organized itself literally like a cult and uses the exact same methods. Only it's being done on a massive scale, and rather than having to go to some creepy cult camp out in the desert, um, the creepy cult camps are our schools and universities. And we're sending millions of kids into it. And that's what we're up against. And that's why all these people are canceled. And we'll leave it there. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. The right wins in the Supreme Court, the left wins in the culture, and both are all about playing the long game and believing in something. We'll talk about it on The Andrew Claven Show. I'm Andrew Claven.